This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. I'm back, baby! I'm back! The boys are back in town! turned around guys we are back baby we are back we are back Classic. we are back we are back we are getting back and we're the three best friends that anybody could have we're the three best friends that anyone could have we're the three best friends that anyone can have and we'll never ever 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 leave each other have all four sidekicks ever been in the same place at the same time? Don't call us sidekicks. Not after today. I'm back in business, baby! Why let them tell us what to do? It's simple. Get on board or get out of the way. You just don't get it, do you? You went off mission. That was a huge mistake. Impulse? That's so crash! I'm back, baby! Why isn't anyone ever just whelmed? Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of Everyone Loves Young Justice. I'm your host, Rob. And I'm Jay. And this podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. You can, you can find us on Twitter at EOYJ Podcast. It's been a little bit. Doing this once a month is getting me off track here. Yeah. Uh, we have a blog spot page, and uh, I need to update it because I'm actually four episodes behind, but that's what I'm going to do this, this coming week. Uh, the blog spot page is at everyoneloveslthedrake.blogspot.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash EOYJpod, and you can email into the show at EOYJpodcast at yahoo.com. And if you listen to us on iTunes through uh, Habasa Google Play, through Apple Podcasts, <laughs> uh, leave a review to help spread the word of a show. And we're on quite a few different podcast uh, sources out there, so you'll be able to find us. So like I said, I'm Rob, and we got Jay here with us, and this is part two of our coverage of the Secret Origins episode, where we decided to cut that 80-page giant in half, covered the boys section, and now we are going to cover the girls. But like you heard at the end of the last episode, we decided to cut this into two to kind of give us a, like summertime you know break before you know school starts again whatever version of your school looks like yes. and also because that book is pretty big <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was pretty big so like do we break this down into like a two-hour episode or do we give like an hour episode each so the intro for episode 17 didn't exist so that's why this is here and i don't think we could have timed this any better that coming up after this, we're going back to the 2019 version of Young Justice, and we say some things in episode 18 that kind of fit into our topic right now that we're going to talk about. So we just found out, I believe, help me with this, Jay, is it, has it been a week now? I feel like we've got so much news with DC Fandom and, and everything else that... AT&T decided to come into Warner Brothers and DC Comics and decided to start taking an axe to different various parts of executives and editorial staff and comics and just other parts of Warner Brothers conglomerates. And some things that hit on the DC side that affect our show is the Young Justice book, the 2019 version, is getting canceled at the end of issue 20. Am I correct in saying that, Jay? Yeah, yeah. November issue twenty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was about at least a week ago that uh, the unfortunate, you know, layoffs and uh, 
downsizing, so to there speak. There you go. But yeah, shortly after that, you know, found out that Young Justice, Hawkman, Suicide Squad, they're saying is ending, not being canceled. So I guess right. uh, Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo and uh, that crew have been have decided, you know, this will be this will be our stopping point. Even right. though eleven is kind of a weird, you know, number of issues for yeah, for comp- yeah. You'll hear in the next episode how uh, we've cast a wide net with our feelings about the whole Young Justice book right now. Yeah. So some of this right now, by the time you hear that, may seem either old hat, prophetic, <laughs> or maybe even, you know, well, redundant. Right. Because, you know, if the book's ending, you know, then there's, you know, really not much, n- not much else to say about that. I'm kind of not surprised. I don't no. know how... Yeah, I don't know how well the book was necessarily selling. It does seem to be one that had like a ton of, you know, promotion and fanfare coming right out of the gate. And then mm-hmm. it's just kind of, you know, just been there like ever since then. So there doesn't really seem to be an awful lot of, you know, editorial push or support from it. Even, I mean, I don't follow Bendis as closely as I do some other creators, just because mm-hmm. he's one of those ones that tweets and posts on Instagram a lot. A lot. So, so, so it, can just, it can just be overwhelming. And I know he, uh, he promotes his own stuff pretty well, but I don't know. It just... And again, I may, it's been a while since we actually had the discussion, so I'm not sure, but I may have discussed it there. It just never seemed like a book that, you know, found its footing. Like it never seemed like it had, it, it figured out what it wanted to do other than bringing, you know, a lot of these characters back into the fold. So for that, I'm grateful. And then I'm, as I'm sure you'll bring up in a, a moment here, where it looks like the book is going to end is at least a somewhat welcome surprise. But I mean, yeah, it, it just seemed like it was one of those books that was anytime I would look in, you know, solicits and see that that month's issue of Young Justice wasn't the final issue, wasn't maybe not a surprise, but also, right. you know, just like, oh, okay. You know, I mean, it was, I was just more expecting it eventually. Yeah. And I, it's so funny. I'm just going to say ditto to, to everything yeah. that you said so far. I had a friend talk to me that he's kind of peripherally reading comics. Like he knows I do a podcast, a couple of podcasts and was asking about Young Justice and he equated it to like putting a flag like look at this amazing flag i'm gonna put in my front yard and look how awesome it is and then there's no wind for the flag to fly it's kind of there but it doesn't do anything but rest on the pole but man it looks it would look so cool if it moved and i was like that's actually kind of a good analogy like i know i think i was really gushing over the first couple issues and i think it's that that new car smell mm-hmm. like oh it's it the leather feels so good and like once you start driving the car down the road it's like oh the steering wheel feels a little weird like the car looks great the car smells good so i think once we started getting into that multiverse a little bit then i was like where are we where are we going with this car yeah <laughs> Yeah, so, and it, like, it, and it's like one of those books. Like I said, like I said, it's it's, it's one of those books that had some good ideas, and a yeah, lot yeah. of the intentions were really good. It just never really coalesced. I don't know if it was just because, like, like Bendis himself never really got a feel for what he wanted to do with it, and just couldn't deliver, mm-hmm. or if it's a bunch of other factors at play as well. But I mean, it just it just seemed like a like a book that it was like, well, if we have this one, why do we have a Teen Titans book? And if we have a Teen Titans book, why do we have Young Justice? You know, they felt surprise. We don't. Yeah, we well, don't yeah, have Teen Titans anymore either. They're both canceled. <laughs> but I mean, it's just one of those right. things that it's like, even though they're completely different teams telling completely different stories, doing completely different things with those characters, it's like nothing that has really happened in either one of them has really had much of an effect on anything else. And until, <laughs> un- yeah, until now they're ending and then it looks like yeah. it does. <laughs> yeah. And so, and that's been the other thing as I th- think for, at a certain point, once Bendis had Tim drop the Robin moniker for the Drake, I felt like we, and probably more, probably more me than anything. Really, t- 
took part of these books. Like we even spent a couple episodes, even as we were talking about the book, going, "There's that brown costume," or you know, like why. And then as the solicits started coming out, you started seeing like Tim on the cover. And at first, I couldn't tell, like, "Oh, that's got to be the B cover," and yeah. they've got Tim back in the Robin costume. Well, that's kind of odd. And then. We were still getting our normal books, and oh, there's Tim still in the Drake costume. Then we get another month solicit. Like, I don't think that's the B cover anymore. I think that's the the main A cover, and that's really weird that Tim's in his Robin costume again. Well, that's kind of odd. Nah, artist choice. And then you started seeing things connect into the Joker War with Jimenez putting up his first couple pictures of like the, the Bat family fighting. Mm-hmm. And I started looking at some of the pictures going, I think that's Tim as Robin in the book and just today they put up from a preview for Batman 99 a picture of the Bat family and there is Tim Drake in his Robin costume chewing gum and blowing a bubble yeah. and there's no no Damien in sight and I'm like I want to take full credit for this but not really but I don't know if that was one of those like because Tynan is the main Batman scribe it's kind of like with what Capullo did. Whatever direction Capullo, Capullo and uh, Snyder took Batman, that's where the shift for whatever Batman did throughout the whole entire line. So since Tynan's a big fan of Tim, going, well, I want to write Tim as Robin, so that's just what he's going to be. And knowing that Young Justice was getting canceled, was that like, well, why don't you just return Tim back to Robin, and then there we go. Like, the other thing is that Damien is stepping away from being Robin, so it's this weird, like, what kind of crazy universe are we are we living in right now and knowing that there are going to be less books, and is it a matter of kind of like a reverse rebirth? Like, okay, let's get these characters back to their original core before we, you know, divvy things back out again. Do you have any thoughts on just... Any of that? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I do. Yes, have thoughts. Uh, but uh, nope. I'm, uh, you know, I have no strong feelings about this one way or the other. <laughs> no, um, my main thing is, I mean, on the one hand, I, you know, it's it's something that I am glad to see and have wanted to see. You know, Tim back in a prominent role as Robin. The thing that I'm kind of cautious about is, I hope whatever happens in story to get him back as Robin is not contrived. Right. I'll give um, an example for a book that I haven't been reading, but other people I know and, you know, kind of work with in the comic writing, you know, scene and whatever have been reading it and they were dumbfounded by it. Apparently in the Batgirl book, Babs crippled herself again. What? Yes. I don't know how it necessarily happened, but so she could beat the Joker at his own game, she allowed herself to become paralyzed again. And they were saying, you know, even though we loved, you know, Barbara as Oracle, which I did too. I thought that was, that's how I loved her character growth into Oracle, the role she played, you know, as part of the Bat family and the wider wider DC universe and everything. But it's, even though I would like to see her back in that role, it's, you know, doing something like that. And again, it's, I haven't read the book. I don't know exactly how it happened. I don't even know if it was kind of a fake out and it'll be, you know, some, you know, we'll find out that, you know, what we thought we saw wasn't what we actually saw later, you know, or something like that, which it could very well be. But the way it looks is that happened. It's like, even though I wanted Oracle back, I didn't necessarily want it in that way. That's kind of icky and, you know, kind of gross how, how it happened. I hope I don't foresee anything unless it's complete, like a complete character assassination of Damien. Right. Which, I mean, again, I haven't read the Teen Titans book in a long time, so I don't know exactly what's going on there. But kind of the same people who have been reading Batgirl saying what the crap is going on here have been saying the same thing about Damien's arc in that book is almost almost forcing him into something that he supposedly grew away from already. So, yeah, I have been following that book. For those people who aren't following, I think in a, in a nutshell, I'm a couple issues behind, but enough to I think Damien is seeing what you know Batman has done all these years and is deciding to essentially lobotomize 
people, let's just take that part of their brain out mm-hmm. that is causing them to, instead of rinse, lather, repeat the trope, like, oh, we'll put the Joker in jail, and the Joker gets out six months later. Well, let's just put an end to that. And I think, if I'm reading the foreshadowing enough, he crosses the line too far, and I think somebody actually dies from it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Batman steps in and is like, that's it, no more, yada, yada, whatever. So... And I started thinking, in the Batman Beyond timeline, is not Damien the leader of the League of Assassins? Yeah, he is. So part of me thinks that that's kind of what they're they're setting up, is for Damien to step out of the spotlight, at least for the time being, so that he can become that at some point. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just one of those things that's like, I've wanted Tim back as Robin, or, you know, at least a recognizable you know, hero of prominence, which the Drake is not. It's really funny because uh, I know you've uh, posted little screen grabs and everything on Twitter and everything, but like even when Young Justice appeared in action comics, he called himself Robin. He didn't call himself Drake. But then in uh, the most recent issue of Nightwing, he pops up near the end and Jason's calling him Drake, which could very well just be him using his last name because I can't remember which one. One of them makes a uh, comment about, you know, code names while we're wearing masks. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, Tim's not in the brown costume. He's in his no. like Robin costume. So it's like, I mean, I'm not going to deride a creator for wanting to, you know, necessarily put their stamp on a character and create something that they hope lasts. But I mean, it's evident a, just from, you know, fan outcry and response, but also (laughs) the fact that even in Bendis's own books, Tim's barely calling himself by this supposedly amazing moniker now. And, and it's just, yeah, go go on, go on. Go on. I would say even in we haven't covered the book yet at the time we're recording this, but I forget what issue it is. Batman even refers to Drake as Robin, and I even put a little you know post out there. Even Batman is not calling Tim Drake. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Uh, no, I think it's the most recent Young Justice where the uh, yeah. where they're you know have like a conversation that we can't overhear. Part of me like jokingly thinks that you know Batman's berating him for having a costume that's ugly as sin and for doing something so silly as changing his code name to his surname. If you're not careful, the Joker's going to figure out who I am. Whoops. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, so one of those things that the, yeah, I mean, the, the perfect term would be I hope it's not just a case of the ends justifying the means, because even though, Mm -hmm. yes, I've wanted Tim back as Robin, I feel that he is the best Robin to Bruce, because they work best off of each other Mm -hmm. as Batman and Robin. But I also feel like Damien was a great Robin, I mean, to Bruce in a lot of instances, but especially to Dick, when he was uh, Batman, and even as Nightwing. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, when uh, when Dick and Damien would team up, you know, there was still that great repartee and chemistry and everything. So even though Tim Beck as Robin is something I want, hopefully the way they get there isn't something that, you know, if someone asks me how it happened, I don't have to go. Eh, well, uh, <laughs> Reasons? you know, uh, yeah, yeah, comics, yeah. I get j- just just be glad it happened. You know, I hope it's right. not something like that. We'll see. I am at least interested to see, you know, where they go forward. Because, uh, I mean, again, part of me is not part of me. I mean, I, I am hoping and wanting Tim to get his own solo book again. Oh, because be so that would be amazing. He's needed one. He sold well, you know, uh, with Robin and Red Robin. And mm-hmm. he hasn't had a solo title ever since then. He hasn't had a solo title in, you know, nine years now. So... I would yeah. love it if there was another Robin title in the stands because I don't even think, other than that um, Robin, Son of Batman right. uh, series by Gleason, which I'm pretty sure was set as a like a 12-issue maxi-series from the start. Like, it yeah. wasn't supposed to go on beyond that unless it just didn't sell well at all. <laughs> you know, they just cut it short. Yeah. But other than that, there has there hasn't been a true Robin solo title. Cause even like we are Robin, which had Robin in the title was 
a great idea and a book that I enjoyed. It's still not, you know, the Robin that I want. So hopefully Tim can, you know, finally, finally get his time in the sun again because fans have wanted it for a long time now. And hopefully this is our, you know, our chance to get it. But again, I hope that it's not just us getting what we want and then, you know, it's a product that's not quality. So, you know, we kind of need a little bit of, uh, of that there too. So, um, I'm interested to see where where things go in the future, especially with uh, DC scaling down a lot of their uh, output. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, even you know, give Tim like a, a digital series. You know, if that's I'd be okay uh, with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if that's kind of uh, the way they want to go, you know, let that serve as what Showcase did, you know, back in the 90s. Uh, you know, test some uh, test some titles and characters and, you know, give them, a, you know, a little digital first solo series, a solo outing, or even make, you know, digital first uh not like compendiums, but like anthologies of you know a bunch yeah. of different, a bunch of different short stories from characters. See what uh, people respond to, and then go from there to to give them series. Uh, that I'm just wanting good comics and good comics about a variety of characters. Yeah. Well, talking about the future, let's go back to the past. <laughs> let's go to 1998 uh, with a cancellation of. 2019 2020 Young Justice book. This show is going to obviously still continue. There's still plenty of other avenues for Young Justice to go. So let's go back and pick up the back half of the 80 page special Young Justice Secret Origins. And this is the girls' half of the book. We're going to take a quick break for a couple promos. When we come back, Jay and I are going to finish discussing this book. We'll be right back in just a few moments. Don't go anywhere. Annual Halloween party canceled. Haunted House shut down this season. Then come to the house party that no force can stop. The House of Frankenstein. The Supermates are throwing their annual bash no matter what and inviting some of your favorite horror stars. Lon Chaney Jr. Anyone who enters here without my permission will be considered a trespasser. Lionel Atwell. By heaven, I think you're a worse fiend than your father. Christopher Lee. Don't use long words, Inspector. They don't suit you. Evil and Anchors. We haven't been able to contact Count Alucard so far. Peter Cushing. I've told you before there are times when you shouldn't be alone. Bela Lugosi. He's mine. He don't belong to you. You go away. Barbara Shelley. There have been seven murders committed in the forest of Bandorf in the past five years. Basil Rathbone. But of course I know who did. Haven't you heard? The monster. <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland. Maggots, Michael. You're eating maggots. How do they taste? And Boris Karloff. <laughs> Plus a few party crashers. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. And some amazing friends. Dragon time! Poor thing! Let them take care of your friends, my dear. <laughs> I'll take the robot, you take the wolf thing. Good. I've always had a way with animals. So RSVP to fireandwaterpodcast.com, iTunes, or Spotify, and don't miss the one Halloween party you can count on to be scary in a good way. Not the 2020 way. The House of Frankenstein. Hello, Paul. Hello. I am Dr. Herfenstaffner. Come in, come in, please. Take a seat. Take a seat. What can I do for you today? I uh, just, I just, I'm, I can't sleep. I, I, I can't focus on anything. The only thing I can think about is like DC events. DC events? As in the comic books? DC events? Yes, yes. The comic book events. Ooh, interesting. Uh, are we we talking things like Crisis on Infinite Earths? Yeah, yeah, totally. That one, yeah. Uh, Infinite Crisis? Yeah, yeah, that one too. Oh, very, very. Invasion, maybe? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the, uh, the Genesis? Uh, not so much. No? Oh. Okay, well... I think it's really good if you talk about the things that are troubling you in your life. So maybe you should do a podcast about this obsession. What, what, what do you call this obsession? What do you think it is? 
I think you're a unique case. I've not seen anything like this before in my office. I'm going to suggest that you have what we call DCOCD. What? DCOCD? You are obsessive and compulsive about your DC events. I think you should talk it out, get it out of your system via a podcast. I will help you, my friend. We shall do a podcast together about your DCOCD. Oh, okay. When I won't even start? charge you for it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I don't think I can claim you on <laughs> benefits. <clears throat> yeah, it's good. <laughs> when should we start? Um, I'll get back to you on that. I'll check my I'll check my timetable. <laughs> cool. Robin B20. So that okay. leads into the uh, the next part of the framing story, which is kind of interesting because it's a uh, it's a little there's there's a little more going on than just uh, secret and red tornado talking right now uh, because they hear kind of a commotion outside and they rush out there and there's a uh, blonde girl that um, looks an awful lot like spoiler, but <laughs> is not spoiler. <laughs> Uh, right. Caught up in a tree, and Secret uh, uh, manages to catch her and uh, help her down. And uh, it's a nice little moment with her because you know Red Tornado says, "You know, you didn't seem to think too carefully about what to do there." Secret says, "You know, that must be what it's like for for the other members of the team, just always knowing the right thing to do and when to do it." Uh, so that's a nice little little moment there, which leads us into uh, kind of a surprising story mm-hmm. uh, in that it was you know surprising that this character was included, but again, not uh, not an unwelcome surprise either. It is Daddy's Little Vigilante is the name of the story, and it's about Spoiler. So that girl who looked like Spoiler was not Spoiler, but hey, we're going to get a Spoiler story anyway. <laughs> this is written, again, by Chuck Dixon, illustrated by Amanda Connor. So I was kind of surprised to see uh, her name here. Yeah. And because, uh, well, we'll get into it. Jimmy Palmiotti, who is, uh, of course, Amanda Connor's husband, uh, inks it, Pam Rambo colored, and then, again, Clem Robbins on letters. So this is the origin of Stephanie Brown, the Spoiler. Find out how... You know, her dad is a deadbeat. Her dad, of course, is the F-grade villain Clue Master. You see her early life where she wanted to be, you know, a superhero, just wanted to running around in a, in a little uh, Superman shirt with a uh, towel fashioned into a cape while her parents are watching Miami Vice and uh, just running around the living room pretending she's Superman, but then being stopped by her father you know, just choose her out and her mom doesn't really do anything about it. But then her dad hits her, which is never good. Right. He is the, the villain clue master, how Batman and Robin always foil his plans and how she would always have to go in and, uh, see him in prison and how she finds out that he really hates Batman. And she loved that for some reason. Eventually she just decides to become a hero of her own. And she dubs herself the spoiler because her entire shtick is to go out and spoil her father's plans. Eventually, she and Robin literally run into each other. And, uh, <laughs> and Batman, you know, pretty much says, don't do this. Go home. This is, uh, you know, tell us what you, you know about, you know, your father's plans. But then don't be a hero because, you know, we've got this covered here. But she does not like and she ends up foiling. I'm sorry. She ends up spoiling one of her yeah. father's big heists. It ends on a bit of a uh, melancholy note because at this point in continuity, uh, Stephanie had gotten pregnant and uh, was uh, going to be a teenage mother and that's how the story ends kind of on a bittersweet note but still overall really liked this one again Dixon's writing with these characters was great really really liked the artwork too I mean I like Amanda Connor and uh, Jimmy Palmiotti's um, style together the surprising thing is it doesn't look as Amanda Connor-ish as her as her work has become over the years because she has a very distinct style now and um 
this is still really good. It's just, uh, I don't know, now her characters have maybe more rounded faces and a little bit more rounded body types. Like, not like exaggerated limbs, but uh, just a little more, your favorite word here, kind of a fluid movement with uh, with their bodies. Well played, sir. Thank you. But here, it's uh, it's not rough by any means. Her, her penciling no. style is great. It's just... If if you would have showed this to me, I said this is great comic book art. I would not have been able to tell you that this was Amanda Connor comic book no, art. No, neither would I. Not to, in fact, on um, the the first great shot of Tim's face where he's uh, telling Stephanie that she needs to meet Batman, I almost would have said that maybe that was Michael Ringo or oh, somebody. Yeah. That is my favorite panel. I mean, it's her whole few pages here is really great, but that. You could have fooled me on Raringo or Staz Johnson. Eh, maybe not Staz mm. Johnson, but more uh, Raringo. The, the, I thought this was lifted right out of the Robin book. But her, if you could have held any of these pages up and said, guess the artist, I don't think I would have picked Amanda Connor. And I give that as not a knock. It's just traditional comic book art, and that's not a slight. That's just yeah, I mean, what the, it is. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, going back through here, there are maybe a couple of points where you can kind of see what her style would evolve into, where the second page of the story where Stephanie's mom is just sitting on the couch, the eyes definitely look like what I would typically attribute to like an Amanda Connor face. But yeah, even then, solid, strong work. The uh, About the only gaff that I found, which wasn't with the pencils or the inks, is uh, on the next page, Batman and Robin are fighting Clue Master, and Robin's legs are colored green. And yeah, yeah that, that's clearly supposed to be Dick, you know, with the green leggings. It looks like Tim. So that kind of confused me for a minute, but it's like, yeah, that's just a coloring error. <laughs> yeah. Narratively, the Tim and Stephanie meeting that's in here is from Dixon's Detective Comics run that starts in 647 through, I believe it's 649. Yeah, 649, which is Stephanie Brown's origin story. So he got a chance to do a series. Uh, not he did the panels, but uh, they took uh, part of that right out of uh, that storyline uh, that Dixon had. So I thought that was really cool as well. And hey... Guess who we get in this uh, in this story too? Argent. Yeah, I know. I was waiting. <laughs> I was like, can't let this go by. No, the just a fun little uh, spread with uh, Stephanie in the foreground, uh, talking about how kind of lamenting how Batman keeps telling her to hang up the cape and how she would still go out and do the right thing because it's the right thing and. A cool shot of her crouching in the foreground, but then uh, over her right shoulder, so to the left from our perspective, you've got Connor Hawk Argent, who was a member of the Teen Titans around this time. And uh, I think there was a Robin Plus issue with her, wasn't there? Yep, and that, that'll be over on the Drake eventually okay, once yeah. we get there. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. And then Huntress and Batman, and then on the uh, opposite side, you have Clue Master and a bunch of other people. I don't, I don't know any of their names. I guess the one guy behind Clue Master is named Chubb or Chubbs or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm just scrolling because I think it's in here. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, Monsoon, Chubbs, Lynx, and Clue Master. Okay, Lynx, I totally know. She's just not wearing, like, a, a denim jacket. Yeah, yep. I'm guessing Monsoon is the guy in the back because, you know, that's the only other person it could be. Right. So, yeah, good story. Funny little Jay and Silent Bob poster yep. cameo. Snooch to the nooch. <laughs> Kind of sad that she has a, a box of skinny clothes. I mean, obviously, I'm not a a female, and I was never a female, teenage female, and therefore I was never a uh, you know a teenage mother. So I, I don't know about, about that experience, <laughs> but you know, it's just still um, you know how uh, she's let down by her own choices that resulted in her getting pregnant and then having to give up something that she defiantly did not want to give up at all so uh, yeah still sad but uh i mean a strong ending to a to a really good story too so then go to a uh back to the framing story nice uh spread here i like i like how the perspective of it is red tornado in secret reflected in some pond water 
and uh, we don't actually in the in the main image don't actually see much of them. And then their dialogue is coming out of the quote unquote unquote out of the pond mm-hmm. reflection, and then you know some more dialogue and some panels off to the side. But like the composition of this page, it looks really cool. Like those uh, the ripples in the water, the the willow branch. Oh uh, yeah, the, 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 the pussy willows. Yeah, those. And then there's like a little fish down there that I just noticed. Yeah, again, just really nice, uh, really nice composition, really well illustrated, and. Uh, yeah, they have a little bit more heartfelt talk here before we go into The Secret Origin of Wonder Girl, Truth is Stranger, written by Jay Farber, illustrated by somebody, colored by Felix Serrano, and lettered by Janice Chang. It is uh, illustrated by Ethan Van Skyver, but... Uh, <laughs> it's like, you can't read it there? Then I was like, oh, got it. That's yeah. like... Uh, the guy that did the new 52 Teen Titans, and I won't mention his name either. Yeah, Van Skyver. We'll, we'll just go on. Based upon the works of John Byrne, I mean, ultimately, you get the origin story, again, of Cassie Sandsmark, how she met Wonder Woman. She's a high school student, or at least embellishes how she met Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. I suppose, because she's trying yeah. to sound cool to her friend here. And uh, how she became Wonder Girl and how her mom did not want that, but uh, Diana vouched for her anyway. Eventually, Cassie meets Zeus. So is her mom, possessed by Morgan Le Fay. And then Donna Troy comes and gives her a much better costume than the one that she normally wears. But uh, she says that, you know, she'll eventually grow into it and earn it. It's a strong story, and uh, without trying to get into too much controversy about the artist... It's good artwork, even if the uh, artist is not favorable among a lot of people. You know, yeah. uh, gotta at least uh, you know recognize the the skill here. I won't lie and say. I mean, I like the character of Wonder Woman, and I like. I love. I love the movie. I love the Wonder Woman movie. I love Gal Gadot's performance. I love. I mean, just the character and what she stands for and everything. I mean, just a lot of Wonder Woman stories are just hard for me to get into. Just, yeah. I, I mean, I it feels think... it feels like they they carry a lot of that mythological baggage that just seems intimidating and daunting. So, yeah. I've got the George George Perez trade. I think it came have been buying through Best Buy. For a while there, they were doing a hardcover graphic novel, and you got one of the animated movies with it. So I picked up, like, Year One, and uh, that's mm-hmm. actually how I read uh, The Dark Knight Returns for the very first time. Oh, wow. Cool. You know, when that uh, movie came out, and I waited till the Blu-ray was with the DVD. I said all that to say, I have the Wonder Woman one. I thought, oh, I've always heard good things about George Perez's Wonder Woman, and I've never made it very far through. I think... Wonder Woman, for me, I love the idea, just like you said, of Wonder Woman, and not saying that, oh, this is like The Guardian. You know, like, oh, I always think about reading Wonder Woman stuff, and I kind of forget about it. Like, Wonder Woman's, like, ever-present in the DC universe, and I love reading about her when she's in the Justice League, but in her own book, I just, there's not enough for me to grab onto personally. But like you said, I love the movie, I love the the animated movies and things I've seen her in, but... It's it's very dense. I actually like Cassie more than I like Wonder Woman. Yeah, I mean it's one of those things like like with Flash. I can read Wally or Bart stories much more easily than I can read like a lot of Barry stories just because yeah. I have more investment in them and I like them more as characters. So yeah, I mean I love Wonder Woman as a character. I've read quite a bit of uh, her solo title over the past couple of years and uh, have kept up with it, you know, pretty, you know, regularly have read some one offs like that one book that a lot of people will throw out. And, you know, I'm not going to even try to pretend that it's, you know, obscure or not in the top five of everybody's favorite Wonder Woman stories. But, uh, you know, that the Heiketea or uh, whatever it was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yep. With I think it was Greg Rucka who wrote it. Yeah, I think that's really good. I actually own that. She's just one of those characters that actually getting into 
everything just just seems like a lot of almost daunting homework just because of the massive amount of backstory and literal mythology that's involved. So like even the George Perez stuff, I flipped through it, looks gorgeous. Oh, but it all, beautiful. It also looks like reading a novel. <laughs> so. It is. It's, it's a lot of I'm not opposed to reading a lot of words. Like you said, it's just it's very thick like Greek mythology and all that stuff. It just goes right over my head. I'm like, can't we punch somebody soon? <laughs> Exactly. But there's still some pretty solid character stuff here. You know, like you, I really like Cassie. She's a lot of fun. This is a good story. It's just uh, like a lot of Wonder Woman stories. It's just very wordy, very text heavy, very, there's a lot going on here. And it's maybe my least favorite so far, but it's still pretty good on its own. No framing story between that and the next one. We go right into... Shafted, the secret origin of Arrowette, which sounds like a, a Tuesday night made-for-TV movie, uh, which I'm pretty sure I'm was going, by design. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to find a cheesy 80s, 90s movie theme song when you say Shafted. That, that's going to play. That's going to oh, happen. Folks. please do. Please do. <laughs> this is written by Tom Pyre. who fits the same guy I'm thinking of. He is, uh, I think he's the publisher of uh, Ahoy Comics and I actually we've had him on the Comics Now podcast before. I also sent him some email questions a few weeks ago and uh, oh, nice. had his email interview for him over on Comics Now because he he wrote a book, a little tangent here. One of the Ahoy Comics flagship titles was called The Wrong Earth. It's about a superhero from two different worlds. There was Dragonfly Man from Earth Alpha and then Dragonfly from Earth Omega. Think Dragonfly Man is like Batman 66, so like the Adam West Batman, okay. to the point that he's in on good terms with uh, local law enforcement and you know the heads of the bank and local government and everything and will walk down the street, you know, saying hi to people and calling people chum and everything. Dragonfly from Earth Omega is Dark Knight Returns Batman. <laughs> very gritty, very, you know, almost violent and uh, everything. It's a really, really good book. The story is these two Dragonfly characters get transported to the other's Earth. So you have the very much... You know, hopeful, optimistic Dragonfly Man on this dangerous, gritty, quote-unquote, real world. And then you have this violent and cynical Dragonfly on the world of, you know, Batman 66, where the worst thing that happens to a villain is they get kicked in the bum and carted back off to the Arkham Institute. A really, really good comic. And for the release day of the second miniseries featuring these characters, they unofficially officially announced, I think it was June 16th. I'm as just Dra- reading it right here. Yep. Dragonfly Man Day. So, you know, had some interview questions with him there. You know, fun guy. I think he also wrote the uh, Android Hour Man series from a couple of years after Young Justice here. So that robotic Hour Man that showed up in Grant Morrison's JLA. He had a solo series, and I'm pretty sure Tom Pyre wrote that too. And okay. he's, he's written a lot of, a lot of stuff. Uh, cool guy. Amazing hair it's like you know you see those uh pictures of like albert einstein with the hair that's kind of frizzy and all over the place think that but a lot thicker and about 37 percent bigger i'm looking at a picture of him right now 
You are exactly correct, sir. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Shafted, The Secret Origin of Arrowette, written by Tom Pyre, illustrated by Marty Eglund, inked by the great Norm Ratmund, yes. colored by Scott Bauman, and lettered by Kurt Hathaway. This is kind of like you were talking with the Tim and Dick story. This is a framing story within a framing story, because you have Sissy, you find out why uh, Sissy kind of hates her mom, and... And it's because her mother was pressured into being a perfect archer by her mother. And she did not actually go as higher as far as her mother wanted. So eventually she became a vigilante. And then Sissy's mother pressured her into becoming a vigilante, much like herself. And yeah, I mean, kind of in exaggerated story about you know how crappy can this mother be can these mothers actually be here right but i mean there's still some underlying sadness into it because you know it's two generations of mothers pressuring their daughters into being the ideal that they wanted for themselves rather than being the person that maybe they were meant to be or the person that they wanted to become it's a pretty solid strong story Again, some very sad undertones, lots of archery action and uh, bank heists. So uh, I thought this one was was pretty solid myself. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I really liked this one more than the Wonder Girl one. And I think it was right up there with Tim's, actually. Like, Bart's was just zany and crazy because that's what you expected. But there was some depth into this that you kind of look at it, like you said. Not just repeating everything, but uh, just some some crappy parenthood that each of these girls were trying to be better than their mother, but inevitably became their mother. I love the the final stinger, too, that um, (laughs) uh, her therapist accidentally gives her the idea to be a better arrowette than her mom to spite her. Mm So the one thing that she hated to do, she now loves to do just to just to drive her mother insane. You're not far off. I mean, sometimes it's reading those stories or those books about characters that maybe you aren't as familiar with, that you don't have as much attachment to, that you can really connect with more than the ones that, uh, you know, you see a t- Chuck Dixon, Tim Drake story, you know what you're, you're in for. You're in for something yeah. that's really great about a character that you absolutely love. You see a an Arrowette story, you know, you're not quite sure what you're getting into, so whenever, you know, you enjoy it, it's like, hey, I, I, I really enjoyed that quite a bit. Sometimes it's okay to not like the Tim Drake story as much as somebody else, just because, you know, some of the other characters that don't get as much love need some love too. So yeah, so yeah, I, that, that's kind of how I land with this arrow at one as well. And then we go back to the framing story, which uh, brings us to the end of the book. And it's a uh, secret and red tornado just talking as they walk back to happy Harbor. Uh, I mean, ultimately secrets, you know, learned things about the team, which has revealed things about herself that maybe she didn't realize, you know, how she wants to be a hero. The section I was going to read, hopefully I don't steal it from me, is Red Tornado, where he says, and yet you sound like somebody that made this kind of decision, like you figured out the direction you want to take instead of giving up. Um, which she was kind of teetering, like, I don't know if I could be a hero. All the others are so much better than I am. And upon hearing all of their stories, she's kind of found that you talk about the 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 cheesy Tuesday night movie. This is that '80s. The more you know, yeah. thing of like, hey, you dig down, you can find the the hero and the courage inside yourself that you've had the whole time. So I I liked that. Yeah, and what what it is is um, I, I was looking for something kind of definitive in the text about what she's going to do, and yeah, she ultimately decides that she's going to go back to the DEO to try and free some of the other kids that, that are locked up there. I read this entire volume uh, before we even started this show, but then, you know, have kind of gone back through it as we've been catching up on it, you know, for the purposes of the show here. So the timeline of a lot of stuff was a little off in my brain because I couldn't remember what happens next. But in a couple of issues in the in the main series, 
Secret comes back and asks Young Justice to help her take down the DEO and free a bunch of these kids. So that's what she decides to do at the end of the story here. It's just a really nice moment. I like the uh, glimmering sunshine behind Red Tornado in that Mm -hmm. final panel there. But yeah, it's um, just a really strong collection of stories. Nothing, none of them were really bad. Some of them were uh, maybe a little, uh, little lacking. Where whereas the others, definite you know, higher quality and uh, enjoyability, but uh, it's a good 80 page giant that uh, was, I would say worth, you know, five bucks back in 1998 money. Oh yeah, definitely. And definitely something if you've got the trade or if you've got the uh, DC universe, I know there's a smattering of young justice issues there. This is on DC universe. should be relatively easy to pick this up in trade. Yeah, I I dug this uh, quite a bit, and this was a a nice way to get us back in the uh, 1998 era of Young Justice. So I'm looking forward to uh, going through more of these and spending a little more time with the boys back in 88, or 88, 98, geez. Scrolling further forward in the the trade here, I'm pretty sure the secret files picks up where the secret origins left off. Um, You mean the one I read first? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because uh, isn't that where they go to, like, the DEO to, yep. uh, to help? Yeah. So uh, we can cover cover Secret Files next because I, I don't remember how far we've gotten in the main series. I know we at least covered issue, issue, issue four. Issue four. We didn't get to issue five yet? We did not issue five because I initially thought that we had said, oh, we'll just kind of follow the outline of this, of this first trade since I think they did it as when they were in publication i know in some of the other trades they pop over in a crossover with supergirl for an issue or two but that's kind of a little farther down the line so yeah it's this first trade's broken up by some of the you know 280 pagers that are in here yeah yeah because i think there's only like five or six issues of the main series Mm -hmm. and then you have world without grown-ups at the very beginning and then the secret one shot and 80-page giant and secret files. So uh, it breaks up the flow of the main series. And I think like the third trade, I think it is. I don't know that there are actually any issues of the main series in it because I think it's all like, I think it's all related to like some event that was going on then. And it's one shots featuring each character. So so anyway, next 98 episode, we'll uh, dive into Young Justice Secret Files and then, I guess, Young Justice number five as well. So, uh, yeah, we finally did it, though. Uh, Secret Origins, 80-page giant. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, glad to take that, uh, that stroll down memory lane there. Yeah, that's really good. Thanks for listening to Everyone Loves Young Justice Podcast. We are part of the BatmanUniverse.net podcasting network. If you would like to get a hold of us, you can do so a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELYJ Podcast. We are also on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash ELYJ Pod. You can email under the show at ELYJ Podcast at yahoo.com and we will read your comments on the air. If you listen to the show on iTunes, leave a review there. That will help spread the word of the show and we will read your review as well. Now, if your mode has been crashed, or if you feel a bit whelmed by the show, no infringement was intended. All music and sound clips belong to their respective copyright holders. These are just to illustrate and enhance your listening experience. No coinage is, was, or will be made by this show. Our wife said so. All characters discussed on the show belong to DC Comics. The opinions on this show belong to the two chatterboxes alone. Not that anyone else does, but if you want your voice heard, let us know why everyone loves Young Young Justice. Justice.